You're taking me somewhere to kill me. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. You are not in Kansas anymore. Is there something special about today? All I have for you is a word. Life, uh, finds a way. Tell it. This is the way. This is the way. Welcome back to What We Watched, a podcast where we discuss and deep dive into some of the latest movies, shows, as well as upcoming news in the film industry. Today we're going to be talking about the Justice League Snyder Cut, as well as the first episode of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's going to be a packed episode. Um, First, I think we should talk about the Snyder Cut. Yeah, it's definitely something that stuck out to both of us. I mean, it was super important that they actually revive the DCU in this way because I think a lot of fans had kind of pulled back from um, DC movies DC movies in general after you know Justice League had come out and Aquaman didn't really hit for a lot of people so it's just like this was good to get to experience a quality DC film yeah you know in the way that the director Zack Snyder meant it to be I mean this was a Zack Snyder masterclass it yeah. was very well done, well shot. Wasn't the biggest fan of the 4-3. I know you liked it, but overall, phenomenal movie. Um, I just kind of want to get... as I want to dive straight into it because, uh, I mean, it's a super long movie, a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I want to specifically ask you because I know you're you know, you're a really big fan of it. You know, I watched it twice already. Mm-hmm. So, um, and props to you for that because that is a dedication. God, it was um, so easy. So easy. But I want to ask you, who is the most improved character in your mind coming from the Josh Whedon cut of uh, Justice League to Snyder's? Who is the most improved in your mind? Yeah. Well, first off, I also wanted to just kind of acknowledge that 2017 me watching um, Justice League in the theater, I didn't mind it. Like, I, I thought... Because I knew going into it that people said that it felt a lot fluffier than what we had previously got from DC, especially what we previously got from Zack Snyder, because at the time, a lot of people didn't know, um, it wasn't very public about how little Snyder really had in that movie and how so much of it was reshoot, mm-hmm. uh, reshot. So at the time, I really didn't hate it that much. I thought it you know, was definitely a lot more humorous and more similar to a Marvel movie. It was certainly safer. Um, yeah. But it wasn't bold. It didn't move anything forward. Like you said, Aquaman wasn't a huge hit. Wonder Woman 2 obviously tanked. Um, so yeah, but now fast forwarding, it's obvious to say that the most, um, I guess, progressed and better fleshed out character has to be Cyborg. And there's so much backstory about how you know they cut so much, so many of his scenes for multiple reasons. The biggest, I would assume, is just the fact that it had to be two hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, it made sense to just cut his stuff down to only a few minutes. But again, I know that there was a lot of drama going on with Sam Fisher and Joss Whedon. He thought the the environment was really, really abusive. So maybe there's more going on in there, and that's why they cut his scenes. But yeah, Cyborg was supposed to be, you know, the biggest or one of the biggest characters in this movie, and he certainly was. I thought he gave a great performance, but then again, I thought everyone gave a great performance, and actually the character that I really wanted to like the most was Ben Affleck's Batman, because Batman is obviously one of my favorite characters of all time. I've loved his costume in the Snyderverse more than the Dark Knight costume, so of course I want to love Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, and I thought he was a whole lot better in this. Like, There's a lot of dialogue that was cut 
um, from Ben Affleck in this movie that really made him a much more serious, less weird sexual character with Wonder Woman. And yeah, it was, I mean, everyone was so mm-hmm. much better. I was going to say, his, his scenes with Alfred are better. His scenes with Wonder Woman are better. Yeah. With even the the Flash, I liked his intro with the Flash. And like, um, going off of your, your cyborg thing, like, I enjoyed the background we got with him and as well as just his interaction with the group as a whole. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was, at the end of the day, such a central piece of how they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. Like, he was kind of the key to beating, you know, I mean, <laughs> to, to winning, you know, to pulling the cubes apart. So, mm-hmm. to me, the fact that we didn't have, like, any real backstory to him but still making him such a crucial part of the story was such a miss hit i mean such a miss hit and another huge miss hit was what was warner bros plan after the joss whedon oh version God. because what i'm thinking is oh my whedon God. and company they they took every bit of dark side out of this movie so yeah. was dark side never supposed to be an overarching antagonist do you think well do you think that they just thought it was too cluttered do you think that they i thought, guess i mean or like obviously they, they were trying to cut down the time yeah were they well, just afraid that the audience wasn't able to handle? That would be villains? my guess. Is they wanted they need they thought that they would have needed a whole another movie to explain who Darkseid is, which but is so stupid because they didn't explain who Steppenwolf was in the didn't, cut. and they didn't. And we've seen success of the hinting at a bigger, badder villain in Marvel. I yeah, mean, they're not. They're obviously trying to make a unique original franchise mm-hmm. with you know the DCU, but it's like. The success of a character like Thanos, like a big bad like that, kind mm-hmm. of overarching, ominous villain, yep. was wildly successful in yep. hyping up future films. Exactly. They, I mean, again, I mean, you're thinking they the same thing. So hard on that. You're thinking the same thing. I'm thinking is the fact that yeah, I can't imagine Marvel um, not using Thanos at all up until Infinity War. Oh like, my god! It would it would have made oh far less sense. We 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 knew what to expect. Um, came Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's something also that's like, those kind of character reveals are more important for people that follow the franchises, comic book readers, like they'll dig into those hints and then bring those to light for, I guess, people that don't follow the franchises quite as, as heavily. Yeah. So even just having Darkseid, even though they really didn't give a lot of backstory on him or give him a lot of screen time or right. dialogue, right. it's important just that people now know that that is the direction the franchise is moving. And it's also important that people now know that Zack Snyder always intended for that uh, history flashback battle um, wasn't Steppenwolf against the old gods and the Amazonians. It was Darkseid. Yeah, it was Darkseid, which actually threw me off because I had told you that I'd seen a spoiler and I thought we were going to see Darkseid fighting at the end of Mm. the Snyder Cut. I thought that was like one of the big final battles was... That, that Joss had just, like, you know, basically fucked up. Removed. Or like, removed, yeah, or, you know, changed because we had seen Steppenwolf in the battle before. Yeah. Like, I had just assumed that we were going to see some massive battle at the end. So, yeah. uh, I was I was happy that they did that because I, it kind of took away the spoiler for me because yeah, um, that would have been disappointing. But, I mean, I just, I was very pleased overall that they actually built the franchise to where it can continue to move forward and continue mm-hmm. to, you know, draw audiences in. That's what a lot of people have um, brought up is the fact that it's with the Snyder Cut, we can now see the vision that the team had um, for the, the DC extended universe. Mm-hmm. 
we know where these characters can go. I mean, this really felt like a movie that's is that is setting up um, future Justice League movies. Whereas the Whedon cut, I mean, it just felt like it just felt like another superhero movie. It didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. especially because they defeated Steppenwolf, and then that was the end of it. Whereas in this, they kill Steppenwolf, and now we see Darkseid teasing he's going to invade. Mm-hmm. So we don't get any tease at the end of the Whedon Justice League. Yeah. And the whole... I mean, just the whole epilogue just kept so many, you know, open stories, you know, with Deathstroke with Martian, I mean, like, allowing for different paths to also be explored, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, clearly they're wanting to, again, expand this universe, you know, you have this big movie like this with so many different characters, they want to build off of that and get, you know, multiple storylines out there, so I felt like, again, in another way, he was helping to expand the universe where, where Whedon was keeping it contained to this small group. And honestly, even smaller, because again, like, Cyborg and Flash were such minimal characters that it was, I mean, the center was Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, Whedon was just a, uh, he was a horrible director to have replace Snyder, but I also think Warner Bros. had a lot of involvement in terms of letting Whedon do the things that he did, because I think Warner Bros. was afraid that this Snyder version, the Snyder cut, um, was going to be negative, negatively received like Batman v Superman was. They didn't want another failed DC movie, which mm-hmm. I understand that. Like, I get where they're coming from, but again, I think it was just a horrible judgment call because they removed the best scenes from the movie. Yeah, they did. And, okay, so I have a question because, again, I, I think you followed the DCU more heavily than I have. Uh, was the anti-life equation, like referenced or heavily influenced on the original Justice League? Would you, like, do you remember that? The original movie? Justice League movie? Yeah. Do you remember that? Anti-Life isn't referenced at all, at all. in the I original Justice say, League movie. I didn't movie. remember it. I couldn't remember if it was like even just brought up. Nope. It's not even brought up, but Anti-Life is definitely something that's pretty prevalent in the comics and books, but there are a lot of vague understandings in terms of what Anti-Life looks like and is. So the Snyder Cut... Um, just confirm the fact that it is a pure equation that I guess gives Darkseid the power to control all life. But speaking of that, tomorrow um, there's going to be like an official announcement or video from Zack Snyder and his team about an explanation as to what the anti-life equation is. Okay, because I've seen I, I've been like I've looked into a few things um, just on the internet about it and. Yeah, it sounds like it can kind of go lots of different ways, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy that he's going to come out and give some direction to that. I hope he also kind of digs into talk about the mother boxes, because I've been all over plot holes on Reddit about this movie, and I've had questions just about the mother boxes in terms of there has to have been more of them. If not, then, of course, Steppenwolf and the whole crew, Darkseid and everyone, would have known when a mother box came online, oh, this is the place that we attacked five thousand years ago, where we yeah. discovered anti life and lost some other boxes. No, absolutely. That's I was I was also going to ask you about that because it's like Darkseid was surprised that this was like where it, you know where the mother boxes mm-hmm. were in anti life, and it's like when he did know this earlier. Yeah, it's a slight plot hole, but I guess I mean five thousand years isn't even comprehensible. Five thousand years us. is a long time. 
Plus, when the Mother Box came online, it didn't come online to the planet Apocalypse and Darkseid. It came online to the place called, I think it's really just called a dark place or something like that, to Steppenwolf. So it was intercepted okay. by Steppenwolf. So that, plus there must be multiple Mother Boxes, plus 5,000 years ago, uh, Darkseid got beat up unconscious, and the only people left that saved him and flew away were just those dumb parademons. So they would have had no clue, you know, in terms of where they were or anything. So it makes sense for him to no. have gotten lost. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I mean, because obviously, again, like I said, 5,000 years, it was battle, you know, whatever. He's fought thousands of worlds since then, so mm -hmm. it can make sense. But that, that definitely clears that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And just overall, dark side, making him... I don't know, not seem so dumb to me. No, yeah. That, that definitely, uh, you know, affected my view of him. What was your, what would you say out of the entire four hours of this movie um, would be the the scene that stuck out for you? Mm, oh my God. Uh, I know we talked about this when it was happening, but, and it actually, it wasn't even um, Superman's mom. Gosh, what's her name? Oh my gosh. Uh, Superman's mom. What's her name? Oh my gosh. Anyways, when she's talking with Lois, um, the moment when uh, they're in her Lois's apartment and they're talking. Martha Kent. Martha, my goodness. Yeah. Um, when they're talking in her apartment, just the dialogue and them talking about Superman, because Superman is my favorite. I know you're a Batman guy, but I love Superman and, and just that conversation and hearing the subtle overtones of his theme, and knowing uh, about the pregnancy as well. Mm. All of that just built up into his character, I feel like, and it's going to be really interesting for his future films, yeah. which hopefully, I swear, if Henry Cavill does not return as Superman, I would be furious. I feel like he has to. I oh my like god. This, this film, Snyder Cut, has to help. This film has solidified that if you're going to do anything with these characters, it has to be done again with these actors. Yeah, it, it has to. and For the next, I don't know, five, ten years. I mean, I know he was, he had, I think, tweeted about how he was happy about it as well, mm -hmm. so it's like, I, I think that this will be good in bringing him back into the DC. And he said I that... I know that he had mentioned before that it wasn't anything for sure. Yeah, and he said that, like, the like when they asked him about coming back as Superman, he was like... I mean, the suit is still in my closet. Like, it's still my character. And he's like, he's a super big nerd, so it's not yeah. that he doesn't enjoy doing this, you know, performing oh, yeah. this role. It's just he's making a shitload of money from it. Making a shitload of money. I mean, he just needs to be with the right creative minds, the right directors, producers, the right team building yeah. on the, the franchise. Right. So, because, I mean, he wants it done right. Like, he wants it done in a way that is, you know, fitting to the comics, but is also, again, a unique story. Sure. And, uh, just builds the DC universe as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I guess what would you have to say if you had to pick a, a individual scene? Nightmare scene towards the very end. Okay. The epilogue. That's my favorite. I Which mean, individual part of it? Uh, Batman's dream. So yeah, that whole five minute sequence or whatever, okay. where him, Deathstroke, Joker, Mira, uh, Flash, um, Cyborg. Just I love the interaction between him and the Joker. Mm -hmm. Batman saying, "I will fucking kill you." I love that. I thought that was awesome. I thought the whole, just the whole setting, I don't know, just gave me goosebumps for the future movies. I love that, and then just the quickest scene that I 
cry every time I watch is the slow-mo scene with the Flash saving that girl with that song. I mean, I love the song choices in this movie. Um, the Flash slow-mo scene with that song and the Lois Lane um, grieving over Superman walking to his memorial mm. with that song is like some of the most emotional music I've seen in a movie, especially a superhero movie. And I, one thing that I love so much about the Snyder Cut is it's an actual movie, but when I'm watching certain parts, it it gives me the emotion that I get from like fan trailers on YouTube, like just a few minutes that I need to get goosebumps and get really emotional just in a couple of minutes. Because there's those certain slow mo scenes that do that where they just there's no dialogue and it's just music, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's Snyder. That's like his, you know, that is his classic thing. Snyder. That's, that is that is his you know, unique like, in trait about him. Like that's slow mo, super music. cinematic. Yep. You know. Yeah, good music. It's like that. His soundtracks have been very on par. They for, have for the scenes, so. and I would say this is um, my favorite of his, uh, along with Watchmen. I thought both of those were really good in terms of soundtracks and dialogue. But I think this is his best dialogue movie mm-hmm. because I think that's kind of where he lacks in a lot of ways is relatable um, dialogue. Yeah, I think, well, for me, it was the, the individual shots in this is what stood Oh, out to man. Me. Like, I'm, I'm talking about the, you know, the lighting, the coloring, the direction of the shots, like the angles that he was yeah. taking on different characters. There's so many. Phenomenal. I mean, I know a lot of people got into, like, a lot, they're, they're saying, like, there was too many slow-mo shots. They're like, if you sped up all these slow-mo shots, this movie would have only been three hours long. Only. And it's like, yeah, only three hours long. But it's, he did that for a reason, and it's like, it... Those scenes are what stuck out to me. Like he did those... it for a reason, and he knows that he has time to do it. He's just enjoying what he's doing. He's yeah. like, fuck it, this is my vision. I want to bask in the slow-mo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And it, it helps to portray the characters in the way that he wants to as well. Right. I mean, he wanted this to be a more serious film. That's what a lot of people had a problem with right. on the Whedon cut. And it's like, this, those scenes, those moments that you see individual characters portrayed in a serious manner right build the story as a more complete story you know it's not well yeah you I take mean, you take the whole you know the conflict as a more serious and intense moment like at the end because sure. you feel more weight on the character's actions because you know it doesn't feel quite as much of like a joke no i agree but like going back to you saying that people were unhappy with the fact that the Whedon cut wasn't serious because Snyder's vision was making it more, you know, dark and whatnot. I mean, yeah, but, like, it also wasn't... I saw... I heard someone say, like, it wasn't, you know, grim and goth like Batman v Superman kind of was. Like, it didn't go too far. It was dark, but more in a realistic sense. You know, I mean, it felt different. It wasn't... It wasn't, um... It wasn't comedic like the Avengers was, but it wasn't too, too dramatic. Yeah, I mean, no, because he's scenes. had he has had movies where he has been far more. I mean, this is still probably his most lighthearted movie, and it it definitely isn't because there's still those comedic scenes with the Flash, but they they reserve that for the Flash. They don't have it where every character has a you know lighthearted moment mm-hmm. or a cheesy corny joke yeah they don't have the ben affleck saying to aquaman in the beginning like i hear you can talk to fish they don't have <laughs> those moments for every character yeah which is great 
It is, and I mean, I, I think it. He did a good job again with with Batman's character because I really was not an overall fan of Ben Affleck yeah. as Batman prior to that. Yeah, same. I mean, he was uh, he was all right in Batman v Superman. Justice League just killed him for me. Mm-hmm. This definitely resurrected the idea that I can see I can see Ben Affleck being Batman moving forward for sure. And Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Alfred, I yeah. honestly grew on me even more. In this I movie. love Alfred in this. I thought he was really good. He had much better dialogue. I love the tea moments wherever he's like making tea with Diana. It's yeah, so British. It's so so British. It's just like it really it fits the way a butler would act, and and he he does it very well. Yeah, I mean at the end though there were so many highlights about this movie. There's so many scenes in this movie that I can rewatch. I've already rewatched the whole movie, which should tell you. You know how much more I enjoy it compared to the Whedon cut. I mean, I've watched the Whedon cut more than once just because I've been bored and trying to find something on HBO. But I never had a burning desire to rewatch that movie. There's no scene in that movie that stand that stood out to me like, oh man, that was good. That was a good point in that movie. There aren't any of those mm-hmm. in the Whedon cut. I well, I genuinely. I mean, you didn't even know <laughs> that I had watched it. I hadn't watched it since it was in theaters. Right. I literally. Had not watched it, and I guess it's going on four years now. Right. Like, it was so non-monumental to me. Like, I have rewatched Batman v Superman. I have rewatched Man of Steel is yeah. one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Yeah. I've watched that multiple times. Like, all of those had moments where I'm like, this is great. Like, these are phenomenal moments and characters that I genuinely care about. Yeah. Whereas Justice League just didn't do that for me at all. And it included one of my favorite superheroes in Superman. And you can pick apart Batman v Superman because there's plenty of problems, but it's still original. It still has a plot. You know, there's still things happening in it mm-hmm. where the 2017 Justice League just is a team fighting a classic bad guy that's made up of CGI yeah. who has no, um, there's no story. There's no character background. It's so, felt like ketchup because it was... It, yeah, you it know really felt like they're trying to do Marvel's exact formula. They were. Whereas, and trying to do what Marvel had done over, I mean, at that point, was like eight years, nine years exactly. of content. Whereas we see now, Snyder, his whole plan from the get-go was Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, then Justice League 2 and 3. And then from there, or with in between that, are those branched-off movies like mm-hmm. Aquaman, Wonder Woman. So, I mean... We now see that there was there was always a clear vision from Snyder and what yeah. he wanted, and I think after this movie, um, we're gonna get more. Um, it it sounded after it came out, it sounded like that wasn't gonna happen. But I think most people knew that just with all the positive reception this movie has gotten, and the fact that you know every movie studio is a business, and where there's money, they're gonna do something about it. There's no way that they don't do another Justice League based off of what Zack Snyder has planned and written. Mm -hmm. And given that Warner Media owns HBO and AT&T owns both of those, it makes so much sense for it to be on HBO if they want it to be what Snyder wants in terms of length. You can do that on HBO. You can do that on a streaming service. And HBO definitely needs the numbers. They could also do a premiere release. I, I think that this is... Yep. They Honestly, they probably could have even done it with the Snyder Cut, but they probably wanted this... I mean, because of the long wait fans have had for it, it's like it was mm-hmm. more just like a gift to fans at that point. But like a yeah. future 
Snyder film that would be four hours long, I mean, most fans would be totally okay with paying $20 for a premiere release of Premiere Access. Like, I mean, Disney's doing that. They're going to do that with Black Widow. Disney's doing that with, well, yeah, Black Widow, but I was saying, I mean, kind of shoddy content like Mulan, like Ride of the Last Dragon. Uh, I mean, like. Was um no it was free. They had something else as well. What was the what was, was the horrible one that we watched um, with Colin Farrell? Oh, Artemis Fowl. But that was free. I think. I, honestly, I, I think that, that might have been free. But access. regardless, the fact that Disney's doing it, I can't say it's necessarily been successful. But they're doing it with pretty cheap material. I mean, this isn't like these aren't blockbuster films that are expecting to you know make a billion dollars in theaters. But like Snyder films, DC films could. Yeah. So I think that there would be a fan base that would pay that. And honestly, at this point, we just got to refer to HBO as DC Plus and then there's Disney Plus because, <laughs> I mean, HBO, owned by Warner, owns all of the DC stuff, and that's only going to be on HBO. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think premium ac- Premier Access makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, have a que- I do have a question, though, for you. Because, yeah. So with this coming out and with it being kind of like a fan... Um, created project the fact that fans have requested this mm-hmm. so heavily do you see this having a negative impact on like creative directing in general moving forward like is there being too much fan service in films because directors feel the need to just service whatever fans want because no. they know that fans can just complain and get remixed do you see a problem no with that I think this films? I think this only will have positive feedback in the sense that it's promoting a director that the majority of the DC fan base wanted. So this is only going to do wonders for Warner Bros. keeping Zack Snyder reinstated and being like, all right, fuck it. You guys want him? Fine. We will let him do all these movies, and if they suck dick, then we told you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they've already put, what, they put, like, over $300 million into the Whedon cut, including all the reshoots, and that didn't even get close to making a profit. So they've definitely done that before. They know that their Zack Snyder stuff is going to make a profit because there's such an outroar of people wanting mm-hmm. to see it. So they'll be like, we'll let you do it, mm-hmm. you know? And this was a unique situation, too. I mean, like, obviously the whole situation with Snyder and his daughter, I mean, that was super yes, sad. and like, I know. Very understandable about why things he happened left, the way that they did. But after he left is when I'm saying Warner Bros. No, took I a look agree. at what he had and said, mm, I don't know if we want to take that chance again. That's yeah. never going to happen again. If they greenlight future Justice League stuff mm-hmm. at the helm of Snyder, they'll let him command the rest of this mm-hmm. franchise, I think. This no, I extended totally universe. I can agree with that. It's He's just, the George Lucas right now The whole of idea DC. of fans being able to... I mean, obviously you want fans to be able to voice their opinions, but yeah. to have so much say that they can literally sway a whole franchise, I, I feel it could be something to be concerning for yeah. the future. I guess. Projects, not necessarily even in the DCU, but just... Sway a whole franchise, but not sway a popular franchise, though. I mean, popular, like, yeah, there's a lot of people, but not successful. Yeah. Like, it's not going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So... But, like, I mean, I'm thinking of... Uh, and I feel like I reference Game of Thrones a lot, but, like, there's, I mean, a huge sector of Game of Thrones fans out there that, like, would love a Season 8 remake, if that would ever even be possible. Mm-hmm. But it's, like... I wouldn't even want that to happen because it would feel like a disservice at this point. Um, it's just different so though. Along. It's different though because you're referring, you're referencing a remake, whereas fans were referencing the director's cut, the, the full cut. cut. That's true. That is true. So, 
It's not like, yeah, they weren't necessarily changing the creative minds. If, they were just yeah. reverting to the original. If the Justice content. League is what it was, and then people were like, we want a remake, would have never happened. Yeah. Because they already put all that money into mm-hmm. it. So that's true. I mean, so the I mean the unique situation of it kind of makes it seem exactly more acceptable. That and even happened. this, I mean, like you, like you said, unique. This hasn't ever happened before. I mean, in terms of director's cuts, this is the most original and extended director's cut we've ever seen. It is. I mean, this is actually um, what was the total runtime of this? Because four I think hours this, and two minutes. Okay, so it's not quite the longest because I believe Return of the King is like four fifteen. Oh, okay, but I mean, this is one of the longest director's cuts I've ever watched in my life and I was in tune for the entire thing. You can still argue though that it's longer than Return of the King just because oh well no I was Well say. it does run almost a full time and uh, Return of the King has very long credits. I was just going to well, I was just going to argue that it has at least more um, new footage than Return of the King just because it may only be 2 hours longer than the original but there's so much from the original mm-hmm. that's not in this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So. Oh, well, that does bring me to another question I wanted to ask you. What was your favorite scene from the original that was, uh, I guess, still included or, like, you know, brought into this one as well? Was there any scene that you were like, I'm um, glad that they kept this in uh, the Snyder Cut? Yeah. Um, both of the, like, comedic flash scenes, like when he uh, pushes the sword for Diana mm. and trips or when he's about to save everyone from Superman um, when he comes back to life and he like notices Superman can also move really fast and look oh, at yeah. him. Both of those scenes, I'm glad they stayed in because Flash deserves to be the funny one. No, I, I totally agree. And it, yeah, it fits his character. It fits, it's the same uh, Barry Allen that you see in the Flash show as well. Like right. just to the, his, you know, humor and overall demeanor. Yeah. It does fit very well. Yeah. So I was happy about both of those. What did yep. you think about the Wonder Woman uh, ancient lamentation uh, <laughs> constant? Because we've talked about this multiple times. So well, I get your well, the thing too though is it was so thoughts. it was it was more awkward watching that for the first time because it wasn't just me and you watching it. It was like everyone in the house. So like it's tough for me to just focus on what I'm watching and not think about <laughs> how is everyone else yeah. feeling. No, like, I know yeah, Luke yeah. is just on his fucking phone the whole time, <laughs> and I know Jackson's ready to say something negative, so whenever I hear something in the movie or see something in the movie that I don't quite agree with, I'm even more uncomfortable because uh, I know other people are way, way more um, not enjoying it than me. Yeah. Not you, necessarily. But I know that Jackson wasn't ever as excited about nearly close anywhere close to as excited about it as I was. Yeah. So I didn't hate it, and especially after rewatching the movie, I was much more okay with it, just mm-hmm. because I knew what to expect, and it didn't feel that out of place. It's just more the fact that it's played so fucking often, so often. Um, but it's again, like you said, it was more awkward because you knew that it was something that was like comedic to someone who yeah this film in exactly life. and exactly I, I personally i love wonder woman's theme and this kind of follows somewhat of the theme of that like i've listened to the soundtrack of wonder woman a thousand times yeah. like it's like i didn't hate the moment it felt overplayed but it was still played in again dramatic moments that were yes i mean 
it was supposed to be dramatic, so it fit in that sense. Yeah, going into themes too, I love the incorporation of all the themes in this movie. I mean, throughout the entire soundtrack, you hear little bits of Man of Steel, oh and my God. Wonder Woman, mm. and Cyborg's theme in, in this, um, Batman. It's I love it. I love um, all the music incorporated in this movie. It was just... There is so much that I really, really enjoyed about this movie. My own parents watched the movie. They don't really, they yeah, they don't okay. really know anything about DCEU. They've seen Man of Steel maybe one time. That was years ago. They never saw Batman v Superman, so they were very confused. But um, they enjoyed it. They even liked it. They were able to watch the full four hours, and they even said, even though we didn't understand it, it was good, and it didn't feel like as long as it was. Um, no, it definitely did. They did a good job of breaking it up. The parts. They really they didn't do that so much at the end. The yeah. kind of part five I think was, yeah. was like a good like two hours. But whatever, I just but. think I think this movie surprised a lot of people who weren't really going into it thinking it was gonna be much better mm-hmm. than the original. Yeah. Um, so one character that I do want to talk about that well actually there's a couple but one in particular um, would be Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him very briefly, uh, what was just pretty much the one scene, I guess. Well, we see him in the beginning when Superman dies, uh, in the Kryptonian ship. And then, yeah, we see him in the epilogue on the cruise, or the yacht, with Deathstroke. Yeah, we see him in, like, full scenes. Yep. Um, so what, were you, were you okay with his involvement? Did you want more? Because, I mean, at the end of the day... Everything that happened in this movie was kind of his plan. I mean, like he yeah. brought, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he basically started the events that that occurred throughout this entire film. Like he was the composer, I guess. Uh, not really, though. I mean, he didn't actually. So? I don't think he actually called out to Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf never mentions him in the movie. And well, I'm not saying Steppenwolf would like credit him. But what I'm saying is like, what are you thinking of like his plot was? Because you know why else would he have called Steppenwolf? Why, why would he have activated the boxes in a way to call Steppenwolf and? But he didn't activate the boxes either. Well, I mean, he did indirectly. Superman dying, which was his original plan. But I don't think he knew that was going to call out the boxes. Okay, I just I feel like I, I don't want to discredit him because in the comics he's like a super genius. Yeah, and like every, like he, he definitely is he in this too. The anti life equation. Oh, and, uh, I also saw that offers it to Darkseid at one point. I also saw change. that Zack Snyder's one of his plans in Man of Steel was to put the anti-life equation uh, in the codex of uh, Kal El's bones or whatever. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So he was going to be the anti-life equation, and hmm. that's why it's on Earth. Oh, you know, I do remember. I do remember actually hearing about yeah. that. But anyways, I liked Lex Luthor in this. I don't think he should have been in any more of the movie than he was, just because he wasn't the center of attention he was not the overarching antagonist in this mm-hmm. plus he's in he's in arkham asylum or arkham home is what they call it in this movie so i'm not unhappy with it just because i don't think he had a real place in this movie um so yeah I, yeah I'm i can okay agree with it. i just i i think i would have liked to have seen him a little bit more i guess again they're, they're kind of holding him back because they were setting him up for future films right and that was pretty obvious at the end with deathstroke what is their league called in the comics? Uh, the the group that like Lex Luthor. Yeah, the league is, is something. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. DC. Um, have to look that up, but Bad he. Guy. I actually, I don't know. I I I don't mind his his character. Um, 
I just I want to see more of him because I do know he plays such a prominent role. Right. I think it's the Legion of Doom. That I that sounds like a Lex Luthor uh, esque name. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the original Superman? Not the original Supermans, but the ones from like the early two thousands and like. No. Did you ever see any of those? Nope. First one I ever saw was Man of Steel, like Man beginning of Steel. to end. Okay. That I can remember. Yeah. Like same goes for Batman with Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Well, those ones were so far ago that it's kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, but I mean, overall, this film filled all of my desires that I feel like I was missing then some. from from the Weed. I wouldn't say then some. I still had, like I said, I mean, I still have a few, not necessarily like major issues, but there are still slight qualms that I have. Hmm. Um, interesting and and just things that i think future content being explored will help yeah well you know bring me to terms with it because i i would like to see either a flash movie or a flash show yeah i don't know what they'll you know do with that as well as exploring cyborg's character yeah um i felt like his dad's i felt like cyborg's dad's sacrifice while i get what he was doing like superheating the box or mm-hmm. whatever like it just it felt unnecessary that he had to even go in and die with it. Like, why did he even have to go in there and then like click the button inside? Well, I think he was like worried that Steppenwolf would have killed him well, before he, he could press been the like button. Hiding and then like press the button. You know what I'm saying? Like, why did he have to go in the box? Because like, yes, you know, it just like little things like that. And like I said, they're not huge issues that like yeah. drove me away from the movie. Little pieces that could have been wrapped up better. That yeah. I feel like could have just made this movie a little bit. A little bit sweeter for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just with... I I had small problems with it, but uh, I gotta give it like a 9 out of 10. I just really, really liked it. I'd give it an 8.5 out of 10. That's, I, okay. That's good. Yeah. Because overall, I mean, the score was great. Yep. Character development, the dialogue. I also saw like someone say in their review, like, um, they were like, I had problems with this movie, but... Do you ever just have that feeling where, you know, you don't want to even talk about the negatives? And that's, like, totally true that, like, I'm just happy that this movie happened. I almost don't even want to talk about the things that did kind of bother me because why bother? Like, I mean, it's so, it's so rare and amazing that we even got this and Mm -hmm. that it was good. Like, I'm just very happy. And that now it might have even resurrected the stuff that Snyder wanted to do after this. Yeah, hopefully. So, I mean, that is, yeah, my my that that is definitely the thing that I'm happiest about. Honestly, is the fact that we will get to see future DC content. Most likely. M- most likely, and I mean, whether or not that is Snyder directing, producing, he has to be involved in the creative team moving forward. If it's greenlit, he'll probably um, get yeah access to do what he wants in terms mm-hmm. of what his title yeah, would be. Yeah, because I don't like I said I don't know if he necessarily has to be director because it's like. I mean, that's. I think that's what Marvel's success has been is the fact that they've had this huge creative team of multiple people. You know, Feige, Favreau, like different people. Even even Whedon. I mean, uh, has come in. So what's it's his like, nuts? Um, the uh, one of the brothers, Russo brothers. Oh, the, the Russo brothers. Like, yeah, the number of people that they've had come in and collaborate on it, I think, has contributed to the success of it. But they've kept yeah. the same core and the same vision yeah. moving forward, which vision. is. It's got to feel... You need the continuity. Mm-hmm. And that's something... That's what makes those Marvel movies so rewatchable because for the most part, like the core movies, 
the Iron Mans, the Captain Americas, the Avengers, they all feel like there's one vision. They do. They do. And we talked about that when we were discussing WandaVision, and it's like, that is that is the thing that I think DC, if they can unlock it, and they can find that core yep. you know, creative team, I think the franchise can be super successful. I'm hoping that that's the case, because I want to see more. I want to see more Henry Cavill. I agree. Affleck. I agree. Gal got it. I hope that they, uh, you know, kind of turn the script on the Wonder Woman franchise. I know that it's not your necessarily favorite, um, I guess, two movies, but I personally really enjoy the first one. The second one, yeah, I think had its moments. I think Snyder needs his stamp of approval on everything. Like, I need. I think he needs to be like um, the middleman at the very least for approving future content for DC. Mm-hmm. No, I can agree. And that's, I mean, I guess that's kind of where we end with this is hopefully Snyder continues to be um, front and center of this franchise. Yes. And we'll get more content like we got. But yes, we did love Justice League. We did love Justice League. Okay, so now moving on to Falcon and the Winter Soldier first episode. I liked it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I kind of had differing... Um, I don't know, opinions than you did. Maybe expectations than you did. You went into it with, I think, lower expectations because of how you felt about the character Sam. I went into it with higher expectations just because I never saw any spoilers, but I read that it was like we were in for something. So I thought we were going to get some pretty good action. We did at times. Mm -hmm. Like We had a good flashback scene with Winter Soldier. I thought that was a really dope scene, and it was really cool to see that the the innocent kid that he kills is his, you know, senior citizen friend's son. Um, yeah. There's some really good moments in this episode, but I would say it didn't it didn't live up to my expectations, and I'm not as excited for episode two as I was for the following episode after the premiere of WandaVision. Oh, but I am sad. amped. I'm amped about it. That's sad. Well, but, for reference also, uh, we watched this episode several days after the premiere, so we... Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I had seen a few reviews about it. I had seen just a couple of different mm-hmm. tidbits. So, I mean, I think that also maybe could have negatively impacted your maybe. review. Just because, uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like reviews of it like made it seem like there was going to be some like massive event. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. But, I mean, yeah, overall, I was thrilled. I loved Anthony Mackie. I, I, <laughs> I watched him in the Netflix original Outside the Wire. And I absolutely despise this character. And That's what it was it called. Really turned me off. Uh, yeah, outside yeah. the wire, really turned me off to uh, a show that was really focused, like with him front and center. Yeah. But I, I think he, you know, more than dismissed any um, negative thoughts that I had about this about this show. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, Bucky Barnes, Sebastian Stan, phenomenal as well. Uh, I mean, he's my favorite part. He's going to probably be. Yeah, my, my favorite part about this entire show. Well, he's such a complex character, too, which is really exciting. I mean, none of these characters, they're, they're proving to not be one-dimensional. You know, they've sure. all got, you know, Sam has his family, which they brought into it, which I really have enjoyed. You know, his background, kind of learning more about, uh, you know, his sister says something about him leaving during a rough time in their family, and mm-hmm. like how, I mean, he's had a traumatic past. And I think that's one of the things that this show is going to do well sticking with the themes similar to what WandaVision did, and they're focusing on, I mean, at its core, social issues 
in a fictional you know sense like right we're, you know we talked about a lot in WandaVision about kind of like the trauma that she was dealing with and you know about her anxiety depression whatever else it was right like in this I mean we're seeing similar um, type situations with you know handling PTSD being alone like the solitude as well as like the idea of like freedom and like what is freedom Mm -hmm. and so viewing those central ideas in a way that these characters I mean you don't know how they feel about situations because they have such complex pasts makes it less predictable um, moving forward and also makes you understand certain emotions like you know how how people dealing with PTSD actually you know how they live and like what it's like dealing with that I agree and I just naturally have always liked um, Sebastian Stan's performance uh, of Bucky Barnes maybe part of it's just because they've had more they have more material for him than they do for Sam mm-hmm. but I've naturally mm-hmm. in the movies just felt like some of at least some of Sam's dialogue to feel more flat or um, forced. Yeah. Whereas I've always seen the chemistry between Bucky and Steve Rogers. Yeah. I've seen that friendship, and I've seen, like you said, that you know his complicated past, the fact that he's been the bad guy for so long, and he's just a badass. Um, so I I didn't have worries about. Anthony Mackie because of his acting I just had worries because I naturally don't love Sam and Marvel in general really the character yeah um so but again like that's that's my thing of him becoming a less one-dimensional character yes like getting more of the background and hearing more about his past and like the trauma and stuff that he's dealt with I will say though I thought Joaquin Torres the character played by Danny Ramirez oh yeah Anthony Mackie's guy on the ground I thought he was the cheesiest motherfucker in so the show. Cheesy. And I oh hope he God. dies so bad and later in the episode. I hated I, I, I absolutely hated uh, well, this is obviously all gonna be spoilers, but the whenever he's tracking I mean like I know that you know what I'm thinking about when he's tracking the flag smasher and like yeah. he pulls his gun out and he's like, I don't know what the I don't know what the protocol is, is or something. Yeah, I'm like, why are you talking at all? Like, it just felt so, like a TV show. It was so it pissed it, me off. It felt oh my god. I mean, no no disrespect to the actor Danny Ramirez, yeah. but I the character Joaquin Torres, unless he gets better in episode two or three, or if he has relevance in episode two or three, I did not like him in episode he's one. He's he just felt like go. I don't know. He felt like maybe he was supposed to be the character that was supposed to be more relatable to the audience. Because otherwise, I'm thinking, why is he relevant at all in this show? He's so unnecessary. like, why is he on the ground and in a Humvee? What's he doing? He's the not. Whole, oh yeah, like That's when, so forced. When he says, uh, you know, there's too many of them, or he's he's getting overwhelmed, or yeah. whatever. I'm like, what are you gonna do? You're in a fucking car. I know. And then when he does go to help, he goes by himself. He's in a Humvee by himself. There's not even anybody with him. And it's, so like it's like a scout Humvee. There's no turret. Like, yeah, if he was like worried about him, he would have brought the whole squadron with him. Called in air support. Himself. Yeah, call in some air support. Fucking get the F-22 scrambled. Like, they brought Humvees to a fucking aerial yeah, battle. Yeah. I thought that was... That was definitely a problem. Overall, though, the intro scene, the action, intro the Intro scene was dope. Great. Totally different than WandaVision. Started off Visual super effects, high. great. Yeah, great visual effects. And, I mean, I thought he... Again, this is me happy with Sam's character. I felt like he looked much more badass. He looked and felt like 
a hero, like a fighter. And yeah. It wasn't, like, he wasn't relying on Cap to save yeah. him or relying on, you know, Iron Man to save him or someone. I, you know? I think that's a really good point. And that was, I was kind of thinking that in this um, episode, too, where it's like, um, Sam, now that he doesn't have the Avengers team with him, it's like, this is Sam's world now. He's the biggest hero in, uh, like, around the military. You know, he's the guy. And you can kind of tell, like, he can see he's a little bit cockier when he doesn't have the team around him. Mm -hmm. That's at least what I picked up from it. And I don't think that's a negative thing at all. I like that. I like the fact that this is Sam's world at the moment. Yeah, um, Because they don't have him and Bucky Barnes as a team from the get-go. So I'm excited to see what pairs them up together. Uh Um, We know that Bucky's been ignoring his texts, but it's like, I mean, obviously that's something that they have to get together pretty quickly because we know that from from the get-go that the main storyline of this is kind of like a, I don't want to say buddy, like cop comedy type deal, but that's, I mean, from interviews with them, they portrayed it as, uh, I mean, they're supposed to be, yeah. Um, I also think that they this episode spent a little too much time with um, Sam and his sister losing the boat and trying to get a loan. I, I felt like there was too much time fleshed out um, just to build that chemistry between him and his sister. I just didn't think it was a really important, I don't know, subplot yeah. for an episode, especially a season premiere. I'm like, let's just... Let's cover a bunch of important stuff to get me more excited about the next episode. Because the end of the first episode was cool, because you know now we see Cap gets replaced. But even that scene to me just felt a little bit not out of place, but like kind of skipped ahead. Like I didn't feel like there was a lot of buildup getting to that press release for mm. a new Cap. Okay. I don't know. Well, everyone's reaction when they were when Sam and his sister are watching the news. Like, I thought it was almost going to be something else. Like, I just uh-huh. didn't see that being what was going to be the announcement. I mean, it was odd, but I, again, I, I liked a lot of the background that we got on him and seeing his reactions and seeing him spend time with people that are close to him and know him well, hmm. because I think that helps us see him, Oh, you know, in a much deeper sense oh, as well. no, I totally agree. I just wish that it was more something more important. Like, no, I can agree. I just but, felt like those scenes were boring. Yeah, but I, I also think it did a really good job of world building of what life was like after the blitz. Yes. Because it's like, we haven't really got to see it yet. WandaVision did not explore it at all. We yes. saw it a little bit in Far From Home. So this is the, I guess, second real time that we've got to see, well, other than Endgame as well, third time that we've got to see what life was like after but the see, blip. But see, that even that, like talking about the blip, I, I think that would have been uh, a really compelling thing between him and his sister is what her explaining you know what life was like without him and just him being gone randomly and Mm -hmm. how that affected the whole family i don't know um i'm just not really nitpicking but it's just again i like of course that there's world building and we get to see the family yeah Yeah, that stupid ass fucking joaquin torres jumping on the humvee i hate that scene so much i also hated after he got his ass kicked by the, what do they call the Flag Smashers. Flag Smashers. After he got his ass completely and utterly kicked, he FaceTimes Sam. FaceTime! First of all, he FaceTimes Sam, but before he does that, he sends like a high-def selfie via text about his beat-up face. But also the FaceTime is like fucking 5G 
a gigabyte bandwidth, like the most clear picture I've ever seen on yeah. FaceTime. Yeah. That oh, it takes me so out of the moment because I'm like, no FaceTime is ever like that. No, it's I such know. a recorded video. It's so yeah, it's super cringy, and well, his character being cringy, but uh, they did have some some I thought some weird like tension, some weird kind of like sexual tension almost, which um, I know that you disagreed with whenever I brought it up the first time, but it was it felt like an oddly weird tension between them like like here he's this, like taking a picture I know what you're him, talking like at, about like at, the, at the table and stuff I don't know I thought he was just kind just of a fucking nuisance he's he's just really obnoxious in the beginning when he's yeah. like bugging Sam I mean easily my least favorite piece of uh of this and and his whole digging deeper into the flag smashers the I I mean the technology that they use for it, it's like he uses this weird AR thing. I was just going to say, you know, like, why are they doing Pokemon Go in terms of how they're recruiting people for the Flag Smashers? I just thought that was weird, too. So And not dumb. explained at all. So, so dumb. Like, they definitely did not... I, I didn't think they did enough good enough job in this episode of building the Flag Smashers up because... But see, like, what we're I, saying right now, like... I didn't have these concerns with the first two episodes, the two-episode premiere of WandaVision, because there was so much mystery, yeah. and that's what I yeah. expected, and it left me wanting so much more. This has left me wanting a lot more, too, but I just feel like I have a decent amount more problems mm -hmm. with what was and wasn't shown in this first episode, especially when it's an episode that's twice as long yes. as a couple of the WandaVision episodes were. No, I know. And, and I mean, part of that is the fact that this one, like you said, like that was that was shrouded in mystery. This is much more grounded. Much more grounded. characters that, yeah, we already know so much about. Like, there, there's so much about Vision of Wanda that we didn't know yes. that it did keep a lot of it in the dark. This... I get where you're coming from because you do almost expect them to just kind of dive into the story a little bit deeper. Yeah. But I, I, if they were going to do that, I would have liked them to do that more with the Flag Smashers because yeah, personally, we saw them for like 45 seconds. Well, and I just feel like this story, you said that we should have just got right into it. This story is not going to be nearly as complex, like you said, grounded. I mean... It, and it's I, only six episodes. It's only, you're right. It's only, only six, six episodes. episodes. And it's like, I mean, we know Zemo is in it. We know yeah. that this Probably new Captain about. America is oh, a yeah. bad guy. We know these things. Well, so it's not let's, not, let's not confirm anything. Fuck I off. Know, I know. We knew that with Agatha from episode two, and that was... Well, I no, wouldn't we say talked more about New Captain being a bad guy before this episode even aired. We no, were, I know. Like, we were talking about this in the preview for it. Like, yeah. It's so apparent. It's so apparent, so obvious. That's what I'm saying, like... Just let's just let's get into it. I know. It's six episodes. We know it's not going to be that complicated. Let's go. I can agree with that. And this is a show that's going to be focused action on action. Like that's. I want to see Bucky day, kill someone. Be the centerpiece. Because yeah, I mean that's what makes these characters so exciting is the intense action scenes we see them. In. I want to see Bucky kill someone. I want to see more <laughs> Easter egg characters like Rhodey. I like that. I like that getting great. to see Rhodey in episode one. That was really good. I and want that. I like Rhodey's character. Is awesome. I. Would love to see an Iron Man brief moment. I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. came on for any filming prior to him ending his contract. Like, how would we incorporate that? I, I don't know. Some, I mean, like they, a, I mean, I guess a flashback uh, or something. Okay. Like, I don't know. I can just, I can see there being some type of moment like that in here. I uh, feel like it. If if there is a cameo like that, it would be. Captain Rogers instead of Iron Man just because Ooh. this is his team. Okay, well that does bring me to the one thing I wanted to talk about was 
where is Steve? Do you think he's Talking alive? Do you think he's on the moon? Or do you think he's on the sword base? Do you think he's going to have any relevance? I don't think he's on the sword base. I don't think he's working for anyone. I think he's retired, and he's at some witness protection house. Somewhere he won't be bothered. Um, I don't think he's dead. But, yeah, he's. I don't think he's working anything. They just they have him somewhere where he can live out the rest of his life. See, I think he would be on the sword base for the sole reason of it's like, he could live in super comfortable uh, atmosphere, very controlled. Yeah. You know, because it's like, we saw um, Fury in his little, like, cove thing at the end of... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could be I living up there. And it would go, it would tie into that whole, like, that theory that people have of him living Being on the, the moon. moon. It kind of, like, teases that he is somewhere, you know... You might be right. I just... I... I don't see that in his character. I see him being more of an old school, old fashioned person mm-hmm. that wouldn't go for that kind of thing, and just wants to, you know, maybe he's in Brooklyn. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think he's on a sword base. Okay, so nothing, nothing exciting. I don't think it'll be exciting. All. Okay, well, not a, not entirely the most disappointing thing because we know. I mean, this at the end of the day isn't supposed to be about him. Either. No. We've seen plenty of Captain America content. And shit, man, if we do get him, that's going to be a lot of visual effects to age him like they did in Endgame. It's going to be a lot <laughs> oh of money for a five-second scene. That is true. But the budget's pretty massive as well, so, I mean... It is pretty massive I mean, for six was, episodes. This is like, I think it's like $25 million per episode, and it's like, they probably spent half of that at least in that opening, like, five minutes of right. the show. So, I mean, they, they, there's definitely the budget there to do things like that for heavy CGI, which is exciting for, I guess, the action scenes. Um, yeah. But I am I'm excited to see more about the Flag Smashers, get more of the villains, because, you know, obviously this was just focusing on our two protagonists, and they did a really good job. I mean, Bucky's character, we're re-watching right now, we're watching the flashback of him in Russia, uh, where he is assassinating that guy mm-hmm. and ends up killing um, just I guess an aide or some type of you know assistant mm-hmm. that he turns out to then be trying to make amends for and I think that was kind of Bucky's whole I mean that was his entire story in this first episode was making amends right and you know seeing his list of people um, did you like that did you enjoy like that's how they took his story to lead off yeah I do like that I mean I think there, uh, it would be weird if this episode began with Bucky Barnes and everything's okay and he's a happy guy now. Because I was kind of thinking that in the trailers, like, oh, so now this is just going to be a fun, he's, you know, good cop, bad cop type of humor. Uh-huh. That just wouldn't be right. It's so logical that he would have so much PTSD from the things that he's done in his past. Unless Disney just wanted to be like, oh, he forgot all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's great that he's in therapy and he's trying to make amends um, for his conscience. And I love that all the while he's best friends with someone whose son he killed. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to confront him about that at some point. So yeah, I think that as far as Bucky's character goes, the fleshing out him dealing with his past... Um, was done so well in this episode. Oh, and was did. my favorite part. Uh-huh. I mean, Disney did not hold anything back with his his past or his trauma and him dealing with that. Like you said, like they 
I'm, I'm glad that they didn't just, like, say, forget about it and even, like, move on. Even, like, the subtle, after he has his flashback scene um, of killing that guy and killing everyone, him waking up in his house or apartment on the floor, like, even that subtle, you know, he's like a soldier. He's not used to being in a comfortable bed. He's used to being on the floor. Mm-hmm. Even that, I love that. I mean... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And and the thing is, is, again, this is this is going back to our whole Marvel continuity thing. But it's like they did this so well because I don't. Do you remember in uh, Civil War whenever Iron Man is like choking out Bucky and he's like, "Do you yeah. even remember them to his parents?" Yeah, he's and like, "I remember he's all like, of them." I remember all of them. Yeah, like that moment. Like you, you know, in that moment that he. I mean, he's a changed person. He knows at what that he's point. done. He knows what he's done, and it, I mean, you feel the weight of it even so much more because it's like he lived through ninety years. Of having no control over his actions, right? And basically, because while we know he's a badass and a super good fighter, like a soldier, everything, you remember like how sweet he was with like Steve when yeah. Steve, like his best friend, he was just a ladies' man. Yeah, I mean, he was like a super cool guy. So it's like the fact that he was then used as this super weapon and like a, as a terrorist weapon, essentially. I mean, had to have been terrible for him. So to come back and then just be forced to live his life without his best friend now. Steve's gone. Yep. It's like, I mean, obviously that would be hard. Mm-hmm. And they, they gave him such a good path back to like to the audience's hearts. I also think that um, if Steve is in this, it needs to be a Steve and Bucky scene because Endgame we had a you know Steve and Sam scene when he gave the shield mm-hmm. to Sam. He didn't have like a one of those heart to heart moments with Bucky. So, unless that happened behind the scenes, I just think that that would make sense for Bucky's character, for Steve just to be like, you know, you've come so far, or uh-huh. something like that, I don't know. I totally, I mean, honestly, a flashback to, yeah, to a moment, like, right after the scene with Sam and him, that totally makes sense. I can see that coming in future episodes. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we already know that Sam and him have had their moment. I mean, that was even brought up in this episode, like, that was, like, the intro you know, lines where he's like, Sam, you know, like, like how, how does it feel? And so it's, we already know that that's not going to be re-brought up at this point. Exactly. Now, Bucky, Bucky was amazing. Mm-hmm. He was probably the highlight of this episode for me. 100%. Um, his little book, Marking People Off, it's great. Just you a little Zemo, like a, a little Zemo Easter egg. A Zemo Easter egg, um... I mean, it gives him clear goals. Like we, we understand where his character's going, and and just overall his personality. Yeah, kind of surprised awesome. we didn't get Sharon Carter though in the first episode. I am, but we also do know that like she's kind of technically like still on the run, I guess. But or like she's she's been not a part of any government organization since mm-hmm. Civil War. So it's like. Her story couldn't have been. I feel like it would be weird to introduce her um, in a way that like wasn't them needing her help or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like th- she would need to be have a specific reason to be brought in rather than just be like a main like third character. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I was disappointed. Like I said, I mean, we saw a brief moment of Carly Morgenthau. We saw a potential like a super soldier for the Flag Smashers. Probably not Zemo or anyone. I think he's actually called Flag Smasher. The dude? Yeah. I'm looking at just characters that are supposed to be in this show, and 
someone called Flag Smasher is supposed to be in it. Interesting. Well, that would be... That'd be terrible if that was his name. If I hear anyone call him individually Flag Smasher... There's also supposed to be two Zemos. Baron Zemo and Helmet Zemo. Hmm. I wonder if it's like a, a relative or... I don't know. Or maybe he gets, like, upgraded. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I could see... The only reason why I could see that one guy that kicked Ramirez's ass in um, Sweden. Yeah. Or Switzerland, wherever that was. Yeah. Uh, being Zemo is Zemo, after the events of Civil War, leaving and then finding or creating some super soldier serum, mm-hmm. taking that himself, knowing that he still has future battles to fight against these people. Mm-hmm. Like... That would make sense to me because he has clear motive for something like that to happen. I I, I just don't see him staying a week, just uh, like I don't know, mastermind behind stuff. Like it doesn't make sense for what his goals are. Right. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. But overall, I mean, you like the episode. What would you rate it out of ten? I give it a seven. Seven. That's fair. I mean, honestly, I don't know if I could give it more than a seven uh-huh. because it's like. You know, kicking things off, didn't see a ton of the main storyline, just nope. kind of got some some nice uh, starter story on the two main characters, and I was pretty happy with it. I'm yeah. very excited for the next episode. It was a fun watch. It was a fun watch. And this, again, I like seeing the post-blip world, so I, again, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super excited to see more of that since, again, we didn't get it in WandaVision. And is this supposed to be happening when WandaVision is happening? No. This would be, like, later. Like, a decent amount later at this point. Well, like, a couple months? Uh, I would probably say a couple of years, maybe? A couple of no, years? Maybe at least a year. Because, I mean, WandaVision happens, like, a couple weeks after. Right, but didn't Sam say something when he was giving a speech, like... You know, a few months ago when we all mysteriously came back or whatever. I get, Yeah, I mean, I guess it could just be like a couple of months. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm not positive on that. But, um, no, I I did like, a, we're, what were we watching it? The, the weird, like, date scene as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. They play, like, Battleship. And then uh, he just Bucky leaves. just left. <laughs> like a total, total dick move, but... Um, He's not very good with social interactions, I guess, so... He's old. He's old. He doesn't know how to date anymore. But he hasn't danced since 1943. This uh, this says that, at most, um, it's six months. Six months. At okay. the most. So, yeah, at the I guess it's been a few months since WandaVision at this point. Again, though, even though... I mean, that's still, that's still close, so maybe they reference the Hex... I don't know, that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Just so it's all connected. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm hoping, I know... Like, I heard that Jimmy Woo might be in this, too. Woo might be in it? Okay. So he might be that bridge okay. to WandaVision in this show. Okay. Well, I was, I was going to say, I mean, like, I don't want, like, to watch this in the same way that we watch WandaVision. I felt like... I mean, we went, like, pretty heavy with theories. Like, Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, but also, again, that, that was such a different show. Such a di- I don't think like, we would even be that inclined to on this show. Uh, I don't think there's going to be those teases. But it's like, 
I mean, just the moments. We're not gonna get Mag. We're not gonna get Michael Fassbender in this show. And be like, holy shit, they brought Magneto in this. And we were talking his, about X Men. His name is like Michael crossovers. Vagina at the end of this, and we're yeah. like, oh, cool. It's yeah. just a, it's another genital joke. Uh huh. No, th- this should be much less disappointing in terms of like fan theories. Like that 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 shouldn't hopefully be as big of a thing. Right. Because like. I mean, my God, you go on Twitter after an episode of WandaVision, and I, I swear, like, every single tweet wasn't necessarily what people, like, think about the episode or, like, talking about the episode events. It's, it was yeah. like, who is so-and-so? What's going to be gonna the pop big up? reveal in the next episode or, like, whatever. So I'm I'm hoping for a little bit more grounded, consistent fan base on right. this one. Right, right. Um, because the content was almost just ridiculous at yep. a certain point with WandaVision. Yeah, I totally agree. Not like we were... Uh, Absolved of anything on that because we definitely fell into it as well. But no. Yeah, this is this is again the start of phase four and you know building up what we're gonna see as some I guess hopefully future major conflicts and um, building the characters that again are gonna make the phase four cycle. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for um, our release of episode two, try to get that one out a little bit sooner than we did for episode one. Yep. Maybe get it out by Friday or Saturday as well as more news. Cause I feel like we're going to get some more updates, um, and content drops about the DC EU and what's happening with the Snyderverse. Yes. I think we'll know more this weekend and the coming weeks. So, uh-huh. um, it's going to be, it's going to be a Marvel and DC kind of podcast for a while. It is. And, uh, more, Marvel updates as well. We had a couple pushbacks. Um, new release dates for uh, Black Widow Black is Widow. In, until June 7th now, I believe. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing because, I mean, that's a whole month pushback from what it was. And it's it's getting frustrating at this point because it's like they're, they've just kept... But now back. it's confirmed they that it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. July 9th, by the way, July not 9th, June. Sorry. That, which is even worse. Which is even worse. But, I mean, it's not going to be extended from there on. Like, it's we know it's on Disney Plus now. The movie's ready, um, so I don't see that getting pushed back again. Yeah. But, yeah, it still stinks. I was looking forward to watching it in May. Mm-hmm. Um, but end of the month, too, March 30th or 31st, we'll get Kong vs. Godzilla. That'll be good Kong content to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it will. And I think uh, also this summer, or April, uh, April we'll get Mortal Kombat, that movie. So. Oh, yeah. I am actually pretty excited for Mortal Kombat. And too. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep updating you guys on... All things MCU, DCU, as well as just uh, big hit movies coming out and reviewing it for you. Yeah, so be on the lookout for Winter Soldier Episode 2. Yeah, and uh, check out the Twitter page. It's called What We Watched or just at We Watched. So uh, go ahead and give us a follow if you guys are listening, and uh, we'll keep you guys updated on content there as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. You're taking me somewhere to kill me. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. You are not in Kansas anymore. Is there something special about today? All I have for you is a word. Life, uh, finds a way. Tell it. This is the way. This is the way. 